You're listening to the Journey to Launch podcast, Tax-Free Living, tax tips for entrepreneurs, side hustlers, and W-2 employees with Carter Cofield. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 journeyers. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast. I'm excited for this conversation and I'm about to share with you. I always typically do a tax episode around this time of year. Now is when taxes are coming due. You may be filing things now, preparing to file taxes. And so I thought, what better way to help guide us, to help us all figure out how we can better work within the system, the American system for my American listeners in learning how to be efficient with our taxes. So I invited Carter Cofield, who is a CPA, a certified public accountant dedicated to helping entrepreneurs save money on taxes to the podcast in the rocket chair to help us learn. Now he has a course, it's called Tax-Free Living. I became an affiliate, I checked out the course and I actually really learned a lot going through his course. So you'll hear him talk a little bit about it. But if you wanna check it out, you can go to journeytolaunch.com slash tax-free living. And you know, within the conversation, right? Like when we first kind of connected before the interview and I saw Tax-Free Living, I'm like, yes, I want to share this with my audience. We all need to be more efficient. This is what the rich people do. They either pay very little in taxes or no taxes at all. But I wanted to challenge Carter a little bit on paying taxes. Is it all that bad? (laughs) A lot of the programs, the government programs, the things that are for the greater good of the people who may not have as much as I have or someone else, taxes help pay for those things. Taxes help pay for public education and in health care and all these things. So is paying taxes that bad? So Carter and I have a really, really um, great conversation around that specific topic. And I'm so glad I brought it up. And so I hope learning through what he's going to teach us and then in general, it gives us a wider perspective on how taxes fit into our strategy. So whether you are an entrepreneur or a side hustler, or even you know you work for someone else, you're a W-2 employee, you will learn something from this conversation. Okay, journeyers, now you heard me share my advice for financial freedom. So I'm excited to share another podcast to help you live a richer life. On the Money Girl podcast, personal finance expert, Laura Adams makes money simple. From paying off debt to saving for retirement, she's covering finance topics we all deal with and sharing her tips from curbing impulse purchases, buying your first home and investing like a pro. New episodes are released every Wednesday. Just search for Money Girl wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want the episode show notes for this episode, go to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this episode. In the show notes, you'll get the transcribed version of the conversation, the links that we mentioned, and so much more. Also, whether you are an OG journeyer or brand new to the podcast, I've created a free jumpstart guide to help you on your financial freedom journey. It includes the top episodes to listen to, stages to go through to reach financial freedom, resources, and so much more. You can go to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart to get your guide right now. Okay, let's hop into the episode. Hey, journeyers, I have a expert 
for you that's going to help us all with our taxes. Hello, taxes. It's tax season, right, Carter? Yes, it is. Yes, it so, is. I have Carter Cofield on the podcast. And Carter, before we started recording, I was telling you that I appreciated the way you reached out to get on the podcast. We don't know each other personally, but we know a lot of people in common, some amazing people um, in common. And you were like, listen, I can help educate your audience on taxes. It's tax season. And you followed up again. I was like, yes, you know what? Let's get on it. And so we can release this so we can help journeyers out in saving money in taxes. So first, just welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited for today. And thank you for responding. You know, I have no problem following up. <laughs> yeah, no, you did it in a really good way. Like I get a lot of requests sometimes and it's a bit overwhelming and I don't get to respond to everyone, but you, you followed up really well. So one of the things that really caught my eye about one of your emails is just like, listen, I can teach your audience how to deduct everything. Like tax-free living is the name of your program that you have. And I was like, well, okay, all right, this is this will be beneficial. So first tell me, like, is it possible? Is it really possible to deduct everything and live tax-free? Like Yeah, so it is it is very possible. It just takes a lot of planning, right? And I hate to use this example, but like, you know, our previous president, there I feel like he didn't do everything right, but you know, he's a multi multi-millionaire and he was able to get things down to very low. And Amazon is a great example, right? Like they are a multi-billion dollar company and, they, and have a very, very low tax liability. So it is very possible to live tax-free, but it takes a lot of planning and it takes a good CPA. And also it, it takes um, you knowing that if you do live tax-free, that your income is going to be low. So you might not be one to purchase assets at the moment, but it is very possible. Right. And so I want to get into how we can implement some of these strategies. And I also want to clarify, like, is this only for business owners and people with a side hustle? Like, can someone without a side hustle, without a business working a nine to five, do some of this or benefit from this conversation? Absolutely. So now if you work as an employee, it's really hard for you to live tax free, but it is very easy for you to lower your tax liability. And the reason I say that, uh, Jamila, is because the tax code was not made to benefit employees. The tax code was made to benefit entrepreneurs and investors. So although employees can definitely benefit from our, from our conversation today, uh, it's just the way that things are set up. If you're an investor or a business owner, it's, you're just going to be able to do so much more. And I'm so glad you mentioned that because you previously talked about <laughs> the president that just left and just companies that are billion dollar companies that are just not even paying their taxes or through the legal way, right? But some people would argue like that is not correct. Like that's just like morally, they should be paying more. And so I do want to hop in that conversation, but I want to talk about how the government does reward risk takers um, in a way. And part of me also feels like, isn't that like the barrier between the people, the haves and haves not? It's like the, the haves will always find ways. The ones that are have the money to invest, to own, to take risks, to become entrepreneurs will continue then to get ahead. And then the people who are, you know, struggling, well, not because they don't have access to these tax write-offs. So I'll hit on your last question and go back to the first one. So the, I think the biggest difference between the haves and haves not and have not is education, right? Like you, if you learn about how to do it, you can do it yourself. Now, these the haves can pay somebody to do it, but nothing stops you from Google searching and, and learning. And I always want to start with that because I believe everybody can do anything. But to your original point about implementing these tax strategies and is it right for people to, to do these or not, Here's my position on at least why the IRS or the government made the tax code. So the biggest thing that we need to understand as people is that the tax code is not the scary thing. It's not the scary thing that makes us pay taxes and hide. The tax code is nothing more than an incentive system. 
and it incentivizes you to do things. And if you follow what they say, they'll reward you for it. So it's nothing to be scared about, but if you just need to learn the rules. So if you follow them, again, you'll be rewarded. So a quick example is that business owners and entrepreneurs, they bring jobs to the workforce, right? Because you open a business, you bring jobs, and now you're helping the economy grow. The government wants you to do that, so they're going to give you a whole bunch of tax breaks for it. And unfortunately, if you're not doing that, you're going to get hit with the bigger taxes. So that's all it's about. It's about learning what they want you to do and just following the, you know, the formula to do it. And I think that if more people knew that, they wouldn't be as scared as they are about taxes. Yeah. And you know what? You actually just reframed something for me because I always thought, you know, I, I kind of you know, was under the impression and, you know, taxes are needed to run and provide for people who don't have like money, right? Like there's a lot of uh, programs that the government provides public. Like I live in New York city, public school is big here. That's all like funded from taxes. Right. So part of me is just like, well, if everyone didn't, no one paid taxes, then what about the greater good of like the community and like the things we need done. But on the other end, if we're talking about incentivizing people to create jobs and to create income for others and this like economy, then that is the other way that it's being done. If not through the government. Right. I literally could not have said it better myself. Like, <laughs> that is the perfect way to say it, because I do get that question all the time, Jamila, right? Like, well, if nobody pays their taxes, then, then what's going to happen? And you know, I have a favorite saying, like, we should all pay our fair share of what we're legally required to pay. But let's not leave a tip. Right. Like, you know, we don't need to leave a tip when you pay your taxes. And to your point, if people are um, avoiding taxes the legal way by doing what they're supposed to do, then maybe we won't need so many government stimulus packages or or programs, maybe we can just actually create jobs so people can work and then be able to fund their own kids' education and things like that. Yes, yes. Okay. I love that. I love that we started and we kind of framed the conversation this way because now we're going to get into how to do this. We're not going to give everything away, but I do want to leave people with some valuable tips that they can implement or look into. Can you just explain tax write-offs, like a basic like explanation of what that is for people? No, I, and I love that because I love starting there because Everybody hears this buzzword write-off or tax deduction, but they don't know what it means, right? So let's start there. So all a tax write-off is, is something or an expense that you deduct against your income and it lowers your income and therefore lowers your tax liability. And the definition for a write-off is very simple. The IRS says, it's simple, but ambiguous. The IRS says that if it's ordinary or necessary to operate your business or your side gig or your side hustle, whatever, then you get to deducted. So the two questions you have to ask to know if an if it expense is a write-off is, is it ordinary? Meaning, uh, is it like not lavish? And two, is it necessary to operate your business, your day-to-day, your side hustle? And if it passes those two tests, then you can write it off. And that leaves us with hundreds or thousands of potential things that we can be writing off on the day-to-day. Right. Okay. So I'm glad you explained that. So now as a business owner and should we separate this between like full-time entrepreneurs and side hustles or can we just kind of group this no, together? So uh, entrepreneurs and side hustles, the same thing. The same, okay. if somebody running a side hustle uh, freelance podcast and somebody that owns a billion dollar company get the same things, you know? Right, right. So when it comes to now being an entrepreneur or having a side hustle, what are some of the things that you can write off for your business? Yeah, so that's a great question. And actually, this kind of revolutionized things for me when I learned about this. Because uh, believe it or not, just because you're a CPA does not mean you know about all the things in the tax code. So there are a lot of personal expenses that you can write off. So expenses to me that you're already paying for today. 
And that if you open a side hustle tomorrow and started making money, you could write these expenses off. And some of those include your phone bill, right? So if clients are calling you on your phone, your personal phone, you can write off a portion of your phone bill. Two is like um, Apple Watch. Apple Watch, um, it says you can check your emails on your Apple Watch, you can write that off. Three is like cars. If you use your car or your car auto expenses or Ubers for anything business related, you can write those off. Another big one is home office. Like if you have a home office area, you can write that off. And the biggest thing is like just equipment, like your computer, your desk, your extra monitor, your laptop, your iPhone. There's so many things that we're already paying for that we're not getting a tax deduction for. And for me, like that's erroneous. Like you think you pay for it anyway. Why not let the government help you pay for it as well? Right. So, all right. When it comes to now making money, because part of it too, right, is as a small business owner or side hustle person, you know, like you're gearing up, you're investing in your business, hopefully, or maybe you, you're funding your business from your main job and you're finally making some money. Now you have to buy things or you need to buy things to continue to run. I find that sometimes it's just like a fine line in like, I'd rather keep as much money as coming in. So I'd actually don't want to spend that much, <laughs> you know, pay for contractors, pay for, you know, this computer versus going the other way where it's like, no, I'm just going to reinvest. And so I guess I want to talk about kind of like examples of why reinvesting and spending money in your business ultimately, I don't want to say saves money, but helps overall your tax liabilities or lessens your tax liabilities. Yeah. So that's a great question. I think this is a great point to talk about um, what I call like the golden formula to get people understanding, right? So all the golden formula is, is helping people understand the different ways that taxes work for employees versus entrepreneurs and business owners, side hustle people. So when you're an employee, right, I used to be an employee for a while and I would get paid and then they would snatch taxes out of my paycheck before I even saw it. So like check is X amount of dollars, taxes was this, here's what hit my bank account. So I had no control over what happened. But when I moved over to the quadrant of side hustle or entrepreneur business owner, I made money. And I got to spend money and reinvest you know, money back into my business. And I paid taxes on what's left if there was anything left after all the reinvestment, right? So two people that make the same amount of money, but one makes it as an employee and one makes it as a business owner, they can have extremely different tax liabilities, like five figures worth. So that is the golden formula, understanding that when you move into this quadrant, you actually have so much more control of what the taxes you pay by how much, to your point, do you want to reinvest? Do you want to reinvest all the money? Then you don't have to pay any taxes. If you only reinvest a portion, you're going to have a smaller tax liability. Um, but I think what's big is uh, what we call not letting the tail whack the dog, which just means that we don't want to spend money just to spend money. right? right. <laughs> because for every dollar you spend, you only save about 30% in taxes. So I'm not going to lose a dollar to save 30 cents you know, for no reason. But if it makes sense and it's a purchase that I need to make that can potentially grow my business or my side gig or my income further, then of course I want to save that 30 cents. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, first, so many people, it's like, I don't want to spend money unnecessarily just to save on taxes. So part of this too is only buying and investing what you need, not just for the sake of it. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's, knowing what you need and buying what you need and getting a tax write-off for it. Now, when you get to like a high, high earner, there might be times in December where like your choice is either spend money or give it to the IRS. And you can make, you know, a purchase of something that you wanted or something for a family member, or you can donate money to charity. So tax planning season, and this is something I also want to tell your audience, there's two, there's two seasons. There's tax paying season, which is January through April, which we're in now. And then there's tax planning season, which is like October through December. 
So my thing is, if you plan during tax plan, planning season, you won't be paying during tax paying season, if that makes sense. So let's. All right. So that means that as a business owner, I should be sitting down with uh, like my accountant, my CPA to tell me, hey, you have you're about to come in this much in terms of profit. So you need to if you want to lower your liability, you should do this like that kind of planning. Absolutely. Like you should already have a calendar meeting schedule with your CPA, like like November 1st. Like schedule it now, right? <laughs> like don't wait because they'll be able to save you more money in that two-month period than any other time in the year because they'll give you your options. Hey, Jamila, this is your profit. Here are some things you can do to lower it. If you want to, if you don't want to keep your money, here's going to be your bill. And at least gives you the power as a, you know, as a person, as a, as a taxpayer to know what you want to do. Yeah. And then as an entrepreneur, so now I'm solely depending on my business income. So it's like, I actually do need this to, you know, net me a profit so I can pay myself. So it's not about like, you know, deducting and everything and not having anything to show for it. So I think that is also the rub too, is like, what do you take back to pay yourself? And then what do you take to invest or reinvest to grow the business? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And, and again, that is, the situations of being an entrepreneur, right? We have these questions that we need answers. And that's why I think finding a good CPA or hiring a good CPA, they should never cost you more than they save you or make you, right? So hiring a good CPA should be free because they give you options, they give you understanding, and they should be able to save you more money than they cost you. Right. And so CPA, uh, Certified Public Accountant, can we, sometimes I hear like, you know, more than one acronym and or title for people who deal with your taxes. So, and I, they could be the same thing, but I think this may be helpful for people. There's CPA, but what are the other designations or things? Like there's the accountant, which I guess is just like a short for a CPA, but they don't have to be certified either, right? Like someone could just call themselves an accountant. So can we make that distinction? And then I want to talk about like, when is it time to hire someone like this? Gotcha, gotcha. So yeah, a CPA is somebody who took, all four CPA exams, which are crazy hard. <laughs> um, so that means they have this uh, credential certificate and they are accredited to say they know the tax code. But th- th- So that's one arm of it. But then there's an accountant and anybody can go and call themselves an accountant if they want to do so. And then there's something called an enrolled agent, which is somebody who knows more about taxes than the average person, but have not got their CPA. So they're kind of like three tiers. And again, just because you're a CPA does not mean you know everything. It's a good start, but I think you should be searching for someone who really loves and is willing to study the tax code. Because to me, like, you know, anything else, you only as good as in your craft as how much time you dedicate to it. So you want to find somebody that's eager, that loves what they do, because they're going to learn all the new strategies and they're going to be calling you like, hey, to like, I got a bunch of new strategies. Let's put it into your business versus somebody who just like, give me your numbers and we'll kind of do your taxes. So, yeah, well, it's funny because like years ago I switched and I've had, I have like CPAs now that help me, but that was my experience, especially being an employee without a side hustle or it was more just like, yeah, just come at the end of the year or, you know, and give me your information. I'll figure, you know, I'll just put stuff in, but they weren't really that knowledgeable and, or the, you could tell they were doing this for years. Like they were just like, give me your information and that's it. They weren't like creatively coming up with ways to help me save money. So I think that's important for people um, when they're thinking about now, like, should I hire someone or, you know, what to look for? Because this can be a game changer for people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like one of the number one questions I get is like, how do you find a good CPA? And 
you know, unbeknownst to me, I didn't know it was that hard, right? But because I, I, I consider myself to be to be a good CPA, but I guess it's really hard to find someone that's dedicated to help you. So I kind of came, uh, got, you know, did some research on it. It came up with the big three things that you should be looking for to find a good CPA. And number one is, is he going to add value or just fill out forms, right? And like you said, like some people are just like, hey, give me your documents and then I'll put it into a system and then we'll spit out the numbers. But you want somebody who's going to add value. Now, whether that's adding value in education, whether it's adding value in just like really listening to your situation, but you want to make sure they're adding value and not just filling out forms. Number two is, and this is huge, are they proactive or are they reactive, right? Are they calling you like, you know, hey, Jamila, like, you know, it's tax planning season to sit down and save you some money. Or are they just only reacting when you call them and tell them it's a problem, right? And that's huge. You should want somebody that's really thinking at, for you and solving problems down the road before you even see that they're coming, right? So that's number two. And then number three is, which is also huge, do they work for you or do they work for the IRS, right? So a lot of CPAs are so scared. A lot of accountants are so scared and tell you what you can't do. Like, don't write this off. Don't rock the boat. Don't do this. And those are people that kind of work for the IRS. A good CPA is going to work for you and say like, no, we can do this. And if they come back and say something, we're going to represent you in case of an audit or a representation. Because the more educated you are in understanding taxes, the less worrisome you become when it comes to employing different strategies because you did the research to know that not only this works but it's been proven in court so like, i studied the tax code a lot and like i learned that a couple years ago somebody went to court and the apple watch passed as a literal write-up so now some cpas might say no because they didn't do the research to know what they can and can't write off so those are the three things like you know are, are they going to add value are they proactive versus reactive and um also do they work for you or do they work for the irs I love those questions. Those are amazing things to consider. And then also, do you have to find people like um, who are in a specific um, niche or like, so for example, uh, people who help entrepreneurs, people that deal with real estate investors or own real estate, and then even financial independence. So um, I had started working with a company that was familiar with the fire movement and just the particulars about that and was able to help me with just planning in that way, which was really, I thought, unique. So um, are these just things that someone who has a CPA will just have to do themselves or are there there's designations for this? Jesus, Jamila, you are amazing. <laughs> that, 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 that is a great question. So now I'm changing it to the big four now because you just, I just found the hole in my own, uh, in my own theory. So absolutely, like they, it is a must. In my opinion, it is a must that they, you find an accountant CPA that is industry specific because it is impossible to know everything, right? It's impossible to know everything about every situation. So it is imperative that you find a CPA or accountant that works in your industry because they're going to have experience and they're going to know your problems before you even sit down with them. Yeah. But what if I'm in, okay, but even in that, right, I get what you're saying. But if I'm an entrepreneur that also owns real estate that trades, and then it's <laughs> pursuing financial independence. I'm sure there are people like that in my head. I'm thinking, oh, this would be like some sort of um, like Voltron of accountants in a firm together that have that specific <laughs> niche yeah, yeah, yeah. and can help people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the more complicated your situation is, the more you're going to have to pay your CPA. But then again, the more they're going to save you money. But to your point, because I was, you know, as we talked about before we start the podcast, I was did something with Terry and, you know, we were talking about trading. Like you need a, a CPA that understands 
trading and mark to market status and ta- you know TTS status, you can't go to a real estate person, a real estate tax advisor with these trading you know questions. They're not going to know what's happening. So, in my opinion, if you can find someone that either is in your industry or find that firm that has the four people that you need to bring them all together, because again. Like, you know, I, I, my, uh, my firm, we actually only work with people in entertainment and creatives. And when I sit with the client, I know their problems before they even start talking because I've been here so many times. And that is powerful because now you know that they're going to be proactive because they've seen problems that you haven't even considered. Yeah. Yeah. And so you mentioned Terry. So on Terry of Trade and Travel, that's my girl. And, she, you know, she helps people with trading. And I have a lot of people who are either have purchased Terry's program through like kind of listening to her interviews on my podcast and or are in- interested in it. So I'm glad you just touched on trading because I've been seeing, especially the time we're recording this, um, the GameStop frenzy and all this stuff happening in the market. And so people are just saying too, in general, people like you're going to have to pay taxes on the gains like in of these like trades and not just for GameStop specific, but in general, like people like maybe want to get in for the quick money and are not doing their research. And then at the end of the year, if they're selling, making profits and not properly planning, they get hit with a tax bill. So can you like talk through um, quickly some points that people who are in trading, they need to understand about taxes? That is so perfect. So like when I did an interview with Terry uh, a couple of weeks ago, there were so many questions that I had to add a specific taxes for traders section in my tax-free living course, because there's so much to cover. So to your point, like these people are trading and Terry has an amazing program and people are making money, which is good. But the bad thing is they're not planning for taxes. And just as a quick oversight, when you trade, that money is ordinary income, right? You don't get capital gains. You know, uh, tax incentive was capital gains. Tax rates are extremely lower than um, ordinary income tax rates. So if you make a hundred grand in trading, and you could be looking at a $30,000 you know, plus tax bill because that's going to be seen as ordinary income. So you want to be planning all through the year towards the end of the year to see what you can do to, to save on taxes. Now, a part of that could be getting what's called mark-to-market status, um, which me and Terry talked about. And that's basically you can now, your trading, your trading uh, business is actually seen as a business. So you're able to deduct all these things, all these subscriptions, all these losses and things like that. So it's a lot of strategies to implement, but it's imperative that if you're trading and making money, you need to be planning because you don't want to make 200K and have to pay 70 in taxes. You know, So you want to be planning throughout the year. Right. I mean, obviously, you got to do your own research. You can look at Carter's course that we'll talk a little bit about later. But the rule of thumb is if you, for every dollar when it's a sale, like when you actually realize and make that you know trade and get that cash, like put away 30%. If you're not going to, yeah. Yeah, so I, on average, because right there's federal taxes, there's state taxes. Traders avoid self-employment taxes, which is great. So on average, I would say thirty percent is a great number. So if you're, you know, put away thirty percent into a separate account, act like it's not there, you know, and then when it comes to tax time, you have the money. You might have even oversaved. You have, might have a, like a, a bonus to yourself, but nothing is worse than getting a huge tax bill <laughs> that you're not planning for. Yeah. It reminds me of now, like you know, I put every dollar that comes into the business, I put thirty percent, you know, to the side, and I. In most cases, especially this year, I definitely oversaved for taxes, which is not a bad thing. You know, like now I can use that in other areas, but definitely, you know, just if you're trading on the side and, you know, you are making money, just make sure you're putting away for taxes. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And again, like, you know, we went in depth in this in, in our interview. I think it's on our YouTube channel, but it, it was so much that I didn't know that traders have to look out for. I literally spent a week 
learning about it and I have to implement it into, into my course and just give it to Terry's audience because trading is a lot to do. And then like you have to think about the taxes on top of that. I just want to give people the understanding that they need it. Right, right. Okay. You already talked about like the benefit of even if you're not doing this full time. So there are people who listen to my podcast, journeyers who are dreaming about starting a side hustle. Maybe they should have started it already. And this maybe could be helpful because they're realizing, oh, well, you know, having this side hustle can also give me some of this benefit that I'm looking for in tax savings, right? I do kind of want to get into just like people who are just full-time employees and lowering their tax liability because I'm a big proponent of investing pre-tax, you know, in a 401k as much as possible if you have the income to support that. Uh, Can we talk about just quickly that, like how much that saves you? So there are some people who are just like, well, I want to get all my money I'm not putting money into like the 401k versus like someone who's maxing out or putting money to that 401k and how much that saves them. Absolutely. You sent me a great question over. So I have an example already set for you. So, okay. So let's say somebody made hundred K at work and they're not putting any way, any money away and anything like that. I'm keeping all my money on, on average, right? That person is going to pay about 30% in taxes, federal state self-employment, maybe a little bit more, but for ease of sake, they'll pay, they'll have 30 grand in the tax liability. Right now, Let's say that someone listens to your podcast, like Jamila say I should, you know, put away money into my tax advantage accounts, right? So they could put up to nineteen thousand five hundred dollars in the in the four hundred one k, right? They could also put away six thousand in the IRA, and they also could put away thirty five hundred dollars in the HSA, right? And this is an employee. This is no side business. There's no tax saving strategy. This is just putting money away in retirement accounts. So they're able to invest altogether $29,000. So they have $29,000 invested. And at a 30% tax rate, that's literally $8,700 in tax savings. So by taking advantage of these tax um, advantage retirement accounts, they're able to save almost $9,000 in, ta- in, liter- in literal tax money versus somebody who paid 30. And they have $30,000 invested, which is going to grow. A tax deferred. So they're not, they're not only putting themselves in a good place for financial independence in the future, they're saving literally $9,000 this year. Yeah, that's powerful. And so now that we just discussed that scenario, it brings me to another question that I get asked a lot is, and I want to hear your opinion on this. So does it matter your income level on what someone should invest in first? So meaning the pre-tax, something like a 401k versus a post-tax, like post-tax, like a Roth IRA. So, you know, there's some people who earn enough and they have that capacity. They can do both. And there are some people that are limited because, you know, they're trying to pay off debt. They have like other priorities. Is Does it depend on your income, what you should do first, if you should do a pre-tax 401k? And I always say at least up to the company matches, you have that um, and can afford to do that. But after that, should someone at a certain income level go to post-tax investing like a Roth or should they stick with 401k pre-tax investing? Yeah. So two things with that. One, it all depends on tax rates, which change you know, all the time. But like as a general rule of thumb, if you're over the 25% tax bracket, so you can Google the tax bracket to income, marry a single. If you're over the 25% line, it may be more beneficial to do pre-tax. If you're under the 25% line, I definitely recommend doing Roth because you never pay taxes on it. But a good rule of thumb for me is like, do half and half because look, we don't know what the future tax rate is going to be, right? The highest tax rate we've ever seen in this country, I think was 91%. So in 2050, we don't know what's going to happen, right? And so for me, I would at least rather have half my money that I know nobody's going to touch and then half my money where 
depending on who's the president and what the tax rate is, I'm not touching that until the tax rate goes down. So it doesn't have to be all or nothing. I want to just educate your audience. It could be half and half. Yeah, I like that perspective. And then the other thing, because in the financial independent space, when I first like joined part of it, you know, when I first joined, it was a lot of high income people that I saw doing it. And so in their opinion, when they were saving and, you know, being able to max everything out, they were thinking when they reach early retirement or financial independence, their income would be lower. So whatever they would assume, then their taxes would be lower. So they would prefer to max out and lower their tax bill now because they were in their high income earning years. And they they felt like in early retirement, they'd only be used, taking or having what they needed. They wouldn't have this excess money. And so I was just, I always heard that as kind of like a rule of thumb. Like if you think you're going to be earning more um, later down the line for whatever reason, then that could also determine what you do now. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And this kind of goes back to like, you need to know it's industry specific and it's goal specific, right? Like I'm an entrepreneur and I don't ever plan on making less money like in the, in the years right, to you come. Always want, you got to make more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, I, you know, I'm not like looking at this point, like I'm not going to be making any more money because I, because I love what I do, right? I don't want to retire. So to that point, but if you know, like your plan is at 39 to never work and only live off your investments, then absolutely just do pre-tax because your tax liability, at least your income is going to be lower in the future. But that's a great rule of thumb as well. But I just, I just always want to let people know that it depends on your situation as well. Yeah, yeah, totally is going to be dependent. And this is where it does come in to, you know, do your research. So at what point should someone say they should hire a CPA? I know you talked already about, you know, make if they can save you money, but is there a certain income level or can people do this on their own? You know, we have a lot of these online places that you could just like plug numbers in. So what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's funny that you mentioned it. So it's not an income level, at least in my perspective, right? It's a complexity level, right? So my rule of thumb is the moment you start a business, even a side gig, or like you buy your first real estate property, right? Which is also complicated. You're going to cost yourself more money by making a mistake than a CPA will ever cost you, right? So like average tax return for somebody with a business is maybe like $500. If you have a business and don't know your deductions, you're going to cost yourself more than that by making a mistake, right? If you have a real estate property and don't understand your depreciation deduction, which is 20, you know, 20, you know, it could be $20,000, $50,000, depending on your property, you're going to cost yourself 10 times more trying to do it yourself than hiring somebody. Yes. How about this? I didn't, I know just as a sidebar, personally, I owned my uh, condo in Dumbo for years. I don't know, like what, 15 years maybe. And it wasn't until maybe like five years ago that I met someone who actually took depreciation, like, like told me what to do with that. It was like crazy. I didn't realize that. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm, I'm not going to tell you how much money, but like, just if, if your depreciation deduction was $10,000 a year, right. And you missed that for 15. Oh my years. gosh. Don't even tell me. I'm just saying, this is what I mean by like, yo, when you buy a property or start a side business or, or like have a, you know, business, like pay somebody because they will cost you less than your own mistakes will. <laughs> so, but if you're just an employee, like do TurboTax, the moment you hop out of that strictly employee, co- employee quadrant, hire somebody. Yeah. And time. Right. And this is like, you know, this is where you also, for me now, I'm just like, I don't have the time. Like I had to do my 1099s. Um, well, I didn't do it. I had someone else. I paid someone to do it. So this is for, if you own a business, you hire contractors, you have to send out their 1099s or do 1099 forms by the end of January. And for me, I was like, I didn't want to try to figure that out. 
I will just pay someone to do that for me. And so as we get into this relationship of money versus time, which is not only just in this profession, like with accounting, but just life, it's important to measure what that means to you, like the value of your time. Yeah, no, I literally have my bathroom mirror, like I have my goals and stuff. And one of the things I always look at is value time over money because you can't get that back. So I'm literally willing to pay somebody to save me time because as you know, nothing's more important than that. And then if you're an expert, you can probably make more money in that time than you pay somebody to do that, you know? Yes, yes. All right, so Carter, I want to get more kind of into your story, like how you became like this wizard of taxes. How did you get into this field? Tell us a little bit more about you. Yeah, I was born on the South Side of Chicago, like nine of us in one home, like poverty, poverty, right? And I knew that money was out there. I just didn't know why we didn't have it. That's where my spark for learning about financial literacy came from, just the curiosity why we didn't have money, right? So when I went to college, it was around the time, uh, 2008, 2009, and I literally Googled like what profession had the lowest unemployment rate in finance and accounting was number one. CPA was number one. And I'm like, bet, I know what I'm going to college for. And then I learned about it. I worked at a big four firm, driving my dreams, but I really wasn't fulfilled there, but I loved learning about taxes. So I decided to quit and start my own like tax accounting practice. And then like as much of a nerd as it sounds, the more I learned about taxes and the more money I started to save myself, I felt guilty because like I need to teach more people about this. Like, right. And then my firm started to grow. And then I started having to like charge people a lot of money because the more value I'm bringing, the more, you know, I'm going to charge people. But that's kind of how I got to where I am. But then quarantine happened, right? And I got really had more time on my hands. So I felt that it was irresponsible to only offer my brain to people that could afford it. So I took some time and packaged all my knowledge into this course that I call my Tax-Free Living Blueprint. And I wanted to make it available that anybody that wanted to learn how to save more taxes could get it. And if, if, if it wasn't directly with me, they could still borrow my brain in this course and learn about everything that I learned about. So that's kind of how I got to where, you know, from where I am to where I am now. And I'm so grateful I did that because the impact that I've been able to make, just as you know from your podcast, the people that you're able to touch when you're not around is much more than you ever do, ever could do one-on-one. Yeah. And I I think that that evolution as an entrepreneur or someone who is gifted or in a certain area, whether it is just like a translation of concepts, you know, because taxes can seem overwhelming and there's some, you know, you know, for layman people, it can be hard to understand. And you find then eventually, even when you start to understand it and can translate it to your friends and family, that more people can hear about this. Right. And so I will say, too, because I actually went through your course because you gave me access to check it out because I now am affiliate of your course. Um, so I did go through it. And one of the things that um, I did like was that they're short videos and they're easy to comprehend. Like it's not overwhelming. And that even though I hire someone to help me with my taxes, it's still beneficial for me to know everything that you're talking about. That way I can ask them like, hey, what about this? Or did you do this? So it's, I think for anyone, whether you're doing your taxes on your own or not, it's helpful. God given a uh, blessed with a gift of making really, really hard topics easy to understand. You know, I, I don't know where it came from, but I, I'm able to take these hard things and make them uh, understandable to people who don't have the background because stuff is complicated. And what I try to do with the course is piecemeal it to where like, if you wanted to learn about like taxes for investors, here you go. If you want to learn about taxes for business owners, here you go. And you can like learn about bite-sized pieces and but not be overwhelmed. And then it is so powerful. Even though you're not doing it to yourself, 
to be able to go to your CPA and say, hey, how come we haven't implemented this S-Corp strategy to save me those self-employment taxes? They're like, wait, 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 what? Like, you know, right. If they don't know about it, you need to find somebody else, right? But, but it, it's empowering as a person to even though you're not doing something, to be at least mildly educated so you can ask the right questions. Yes, yes, yes. I love that. So I want to ask you more about your personal financial freedom and independence journey. So you have now all these cheat codes, like, you you know, people like us have to go like now sit and like learn it, but like, you kind of know all this, you're still learning, but you know what I mean? Like you kind of inherently understand this stuff. So for you and, you know, your journey to financial independence, and I already heard you say you didn't want to retire, which is fine, right? Like you're going to continue to work in some capacity. How far along are you to that place where you, if you didn't want to work, like you could live off your investments? So I'll say this, I am financially independent right now because the money I make passively is way more money than I will ever spend in a day. So whether that is from digital products, whether that's from investments, whether that's from my firm kind of working in the background, today I don't have to work in, you know, in order to make money. But to, the, to get to that point of my assets paying for everything, I mean, five years probably. Oh, okay, five years. So we have to... Ch- we have to check back in in five years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like when my real estate properties and my investments make everything for me as far as my income, that's when I'll call myself like officially financially free. And yeah, about four or five years, I'm about to buy a property in Dumbo probably because uh, the real estate is going up. Okay, <laughs> we'll be neighbors. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. No, but I, I, I love that. And I love, thank you for sharing that. I always find that it's inspiring to kind of hear people who are on the path, who love what they do. Like, it's not about like my whole thing with, going on this journey. It's not that you have to not work or quit. It's just having that option to, if you wanted to right now say, you know what, I'm not doing any interviews. I'm not promoting my course. I'm not like doing anything. I'm just going to chill. Like you could do that if you wanted to. That's what I'm working towards. No, I mean, like there's nothing powerful than having the choice, right? Like waking up in the morning and knowing that you don't have to do anything. You are because you love what you do, but you don't have to, right? That freedom is something that I think everyone should get to enjoy or at least be on the path to trying to find because it is, you won't have that weight on your shoulders ever, ever again. Yes. Love it. All right. So I hope journeyers, you got a lot from this, but I want to tell you, if you want to check out Carter's course, which I am now affiliate for, you can go to journeytolaunch.com slash tax-free living and Carter, tell people more about like where they can find you and more of your work and follow your path to financial independence. Cause you got five more years. Yeah. Five more years. You, you put it on a stamp. Ain't you put it on a calendar. Yeah. So if you go to uh, cofieldsconcepts.com, uh, again, it's cofieldsconcepts.com, you'll be able to see my podcast, um, all the courses, free masterclasses, my Instagram and stuff like that will all be there. So again, cofieldsconcepts.com, you'll be able to find everything. Awesome. And um, it was great talking to you. And we'll see um, in five years where you are. I'm rooting for you. Yeah, we will. Thank you so much. Okay, I hope you enjoyed and learned a lot from that episode, that conversation with Carter. Now, if you want to check out his tax-free living course, you can go to journeytolaunch.com slash tax-free living. And let me know what you thought. If you're going to use a strategy that you heard in this episode, are you going to do some more research or even join his course? I always love to hear feedback from people who are listening in and I want to hear that you're applying this information. 
Don't forget, you can get the episode show notes for this episode by going to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this. And you can still grab your jumpstart guide for free to help you on your journey to financial freedom by going to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart. If you want to support me and the podcast and love the free content and information that you get here, here are four ways that you can support me and the show. One, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen, whether that's Apple Podcasts, that purple app on your phone, your Android device, YouTube, Spotify, wherever it is that you happen to listen, just subscribe so you are not missing an episode. And if you're happening to listen to this in Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe there. I appreciate and read every single review. Number two, follow me on my social media accounts. I'm at Journey to Launch on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I love, love, love interacting with journeyers there. Three, support and check out the sponsors of this show if you hear something that interests you. Sponsors are the main ways we keep the podcast lights on here. So show them some love for supporting your girl. Four, and last but not least, share this episode, this podcast with a friend or family member or coworker so that we can spread the message of Journey to Launch. All right, that's it. Until next week, keep on journeying, journeyers. Journeyers.